1: Welcome to episode 40 of the Build My Alliance podcast, I'm your host Terry, and today I've got a special guest that will put all of us older folks to shame. Uh, We have Alec Matlock from Envy Controllers, where we're going to talk about the custom Xbox controller business he built uh, while he started when he was in college in his dorm room at 19 years old. And after two years or so, Alec's got about six people on his team, and he's just killing it, uh, selling about 400 to 500 controllers a month. Uh, during peak seasons throughout the year. So we'll hear his story in a bit. Okay, before we start, I got a question in the email. Uh, coming all the way from Dubai uh, f- from Ghazi he says hi Terry I'm a big fan of your podcast I'm about to launch e-commerce website in the Gulf based in Dubai we will be specializing in soccer gears and jerseys and will be live in a month hopefully I was wondering if you could cover multilingual multinational websites I need to support Arabic and English I noticed a large difference in terms of CPC mobile computer usage conversion rates I'm wondering if it makes sense to run completely different websites to capture these differences whether for SEO or for conversions, cheers. Alright Gazi. so I'm not 100% familiar with your market but I do know from Asia, uh, most online stores do have both websites, especially if they have pretty big brand equity. In terms of being a regional player, they do have an English and say Chinese or Japanese shopping cart that you can buy from. And so one, I think it gives you legitimacy by having Uh, two languages it makes your business seem more global and accommodating i guess and two you can also capture the expat business that's in your country or kind of the neighboring countries so in your case, there's three things I would do. I think one, I would see if your competition has both English and Arabic websites. Uh, if they only have Arabic and they're already in business, maybe you know it just doesn't make much sense to have both. So two, if the search volume justifies both uh, with some basic assumptions like your conversion rate, profit margins, just do some back of the napkin math to see if it makes sense to actually invest in both. And three, you could also use Alexa.com, that's A-L-E-X-A.com, to punch in your competitor's site. And you can actually see the top queries that they get from search traffic. So uh, if they get keywords that are in Arabic or English, they'll both show up there in the top 10. And so I'm assuming you're selling locally just within your country or maybe within the region. So another avenue you can look at is maybe just check the immigration bureaus of these official government websites. I think they do disclose how many visitors or foreigners visit the country every year. Uh, Or, kind of, the population breakdown. So, maybe that'll give you some insights to see if it's worth it. So, uh, I hope this helps. Uh, You know, I'm not 100% familiar with your market. So, hopefully, you got some value out of this. All right, and before we get into this week's episode, I'm still taking requests for e-commerce store reviews. I have a few in my backlog, but if you have a store running for a while and you just want an outside opinion from a first-time visitor, and let me know. I'll be happy to do a video site review on my first impressions. So I'll also give you some advice on tweaks you can make based on some of the best practices I've gathered from guests on the show. And so with that being said, let's get into this week's episode. Uh, welcome to the show alec Uh, you're the founder of NV controllers so kind of what's the story behind this business about
0: early 2011 uh, i started watching i saw on the internet some some videos customizing xbox controllers just people doing it for fun and you know i was like i could do that so i started kind of playing around with it you know painting for my friends and and so on and i saw a couple online businesses that were doing it and just me being who I am. I tried to reach out and join and just get involved and eventually went through a couple little spurts of working for people and decided I could do it on my own and started a business, I think legally in like about February of
1: 2011. And so you're still in school, right? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I'm from
0: a little town uh, in Southern Missouri and I moved up here to Kansas City. I'm in my third year uh, of my BBA here, at Block Business School, University of Missouri. So managing time gets uh, gets a little hectic, but now that I kind of have a team, um, I'm starting to manage a little better. But it's still kind of crazy because still in the thick of school right now.
1: Yeah, so you built this while you were in your sophomore year, or it
0: would have been my freshman year. I think I was actually in a dorm room, still, uh,
1: which was an interesting
0: experience when
1: I started. <laughs> So, so let me get this right, you're making custom Xbox controllers in your dorm room.
0: Yeah, well, at that point, I was actually, it was this weird situation, I actually did make controllers in my dorm room there for a little while, and then a cousin or, or a relative actually worked at this warehouse and I moved in and they had tons of space.
1: So they just let me go wild in the, in the back. How did you start selling this at first? Cause if it started kind of out in your dorm, how did you find your first customer? Yeah, it was kind of interesting. So I worked
0: for a friend, someone approached me that was doing something similar. They made modded controllers and said, Hey, I want, I would love to, you know, you can paint, like I would love to uh, add this kind of service to my site. And he uh, kind of pushed me into the scene, he kind of taught me. That was initially where we hopped onto Volusion, showed me how to do this whole e-commerce thing on a very light level. And then eventually I branched off and did my own thing. For the most part, it was just uh, being a competitive gamer to to an extent of myself. I just loved doing this and people just kind of slowly started liking to have these awesome controllers. So I just sort of put myself out there at the beginning and people, kind of latched onto it.
1: Nice, and so these controllers, you sold them under someone else's store at first before you branched out to your own?
0: Yeah, we um, we were actually, we formed a website together called Create a Controller. I'm not sure if this is actually around,
1: and then I eventually branched off and decided I'd like to start my own brand. So how does a controller work when you like paint it? Because when you bought, because like when I play an Xbox, I get a controller, like do you take it apart and then paint it, or like how does that work out? All our Xbox controllers are brand new.
0: Like right out of the box from the distributor, um, Xbox controllers. And they go through a pretty long process of initially being taken apart, prepped for uh, paint, painted, clear-coated, and then eventually put back together. And it's actually a pretty pretty lengthy process that we've kind of developed to make sure the uh, the quality is there throughout. All our controllers, and that that basically goes. And we're expanding now to a couple more products, but for the most part, that's that's how it goes for everything. Is we uh, take it apart and make sure everything's prepped really well. Essentially, it's the exact same thing you do to a car or motorcycle or, or anything like that. The
1: paint is the exact same. So essentially, we're doing the same thing you would do to a car. I see. And so, so when you were doing this at first, you were buying the controllers, taking them apart, doing the design and doing the painting and. Like all under your own time. Just recently, it's it's
0: kind of we're getting more people on board, but yeah, it was it was just all me cranking everything
1: out at the beginning. So how many controllers were you cranking out while you were still in school?
0: Uh, Well, I'm still in school, and we're cranking out. It can range anywhere from sometimes we'll have slow months of about a hundred or a hundred controllers a month, um, up to sometimes four or five hundred. Of course, that wasn't anything close to whenever you know my beginnings in a dorm room it was still interesting because at that point i was still learning the process and i would mess up a lot and there was a lot of of trial and error figuring out exactly how i wanted to do it with all the various paints and and so on
1: yeah because i guess the yield rate uh, is pretty low like with the first 10 you make are probably pretty bad but then after you make like 200 the process you get it down, and you know what mistakes not to make, and everything goes more efficient. Yeah, yeah, we our processes now are finally set
0: up really well, um, to where you know a big problem was every single one of these controllers are handmade for the customer, so turnaround time has always been a big issue. Moving forward, we're I'm making that a huge priority, and the the process, the operations, making sure they're down packed is is a big part of that.
1: Yeah, so let's go into that a little bit more because I know. Like, the gamer crowd is a little impatient, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because I used to play games too, and I know, you know, guys on the internet, you know, they're probably really got this game, and the kind of the ego gets carried over. Online, right? Exactly. And that's been a huge issue. I I can dive into it real quick that
0: and I'm the exact same way. When I order for something from from Amazon or or what have you, I like I expect it two days later. That's when it needs to be here. And it's kind of just the evolution of our of this generation of always expecting things and everything being instant. But it has to be understood that this is like almost like a boutique type like, we are creating everything by hand. An initial problem is that we're not educating people on exactly everything that goes into it. You know, it's not it's not something that gets popped out. It's literally someone is spending four or five hours handling your controller and eventually shipping yeah, it. Yeah, I
1: think on your website, you don't really have the behind-the-scenes thing where it shows the whole process. I think it's kind of just like a... Or at least the one I see now is just like you buy now and then kinda that's it, right? So I think a lot of people think, Oh, I expect it in two days and and then they're like, What? Why is it not here? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And
0: with the new website that we're working on, we'll we'll be pumping we'll we'll make that very clear and we we wanna express that that that's you know, everything is hand tailored like we're making it specifically for you. So that's a big a big new step moving forward.
1: Yeah, and I think that works both ways too, because then you get new content on your website. You know, you get a YouTube video that drives traffic and you also educate people that, you know, hey, this is this is not just some commoditized product you get at Walmart or Target and, you know, it takes time to make something like this. Yeah.
0: And we've we've been working on on some stuff, some especially videos. Um, our, our brand as a whole entity is very visual based. So we're working on a bunch of new
1: stuff like that because that it is a problem that, that we need to
0: make sure people know.
1: And so one thing with game controllers is that a lot of the hardcore gamers, you know, they go through controllers really fast. So how do you, like, does it affect the quality when you take a controller apart and you put it back together?
0: It doesn't affect the quality. A while back, whenever we were st- I was still experimenting with paints, it was still iffy. But now that I've got the process 100% down, we use a two-part thing clear coat, which is the exact same thing you could have on your car. The shell of the controller is really built to last. And... If anything, it's gonna last just as long as a normal shell. We're still at the discretion of Microsoft's product or if we're doing mice, you know, or whoever's product it is that we're using. So if it wears out, especially like just the internals of an Xbox controller, you know, using the thumbsticks all the time, you know, they'll eventually wear out. We're working on that. I wanna try to implement some kind of um, system to where maybe they can get a replacement for the internals and, and keep their shell. I've only been using the urethane clear coat for about three or four months. so. Who knows how long it'll really last, but people have I've gotten really good feedback that it's built to last. And dealing with the, the internals and the, the wear on that is still kind of up in the air, because you're right, those competitive gamers, especially Call of Duty
1: specifically, can go through controllers pretty quickly. And so what's the process you go through when you're, say, trying a new paint? style on it or like when you're trying to improve the product in your process like how do you go through that yeah uh well now that everything's kind of set up you know
0: we have a studio booths and stuff we can literally just buy new paint and try it I just i love doing that especially with some of my new guys i have on board just you know here's some new paint i bought just go crazy so that's i mean essentially that's just what we do for the most part all the paints we do use are automotive so there's not like some
1: kind of drastic difference or or anything like that we can just go in the studio and shoot it i guess when you buy controllers do the distributors give you a better price because i'm sure sh- i guess they don't give you it at retail right or-
0: yeah yeah so yeah we buy all our products um through distributors because you know we buy you know hundreds at a time so of course yeah they, they do give us discounts essentially It would be the same thing as Best Buy buying Xbox controllers or something like that. I mean, we we aren't getting, you know, obviously the same price because we're not buying, you know, tens of thousands at a time, but it's it's the same process of
1: tax exemption and so on uh, one thing I've noticed since I live in Asia you always have these knockoff controllers that
0: yeah no no no, like, no. Like, you
1: know I'm talking like a cheap version of the same controller I, <laughs> so how do you what's the difference between those like, is it just like the materials bad or
0: uh, yeah and I I remember the first time someone shipped me some they're like hey I would love to get these controllers painted and I got got them and you just instantly know that they're not Microsoft controllers um, and as of right now we I mean we use all genuine Microsoft controllers or straight from the distributor, but the knockoffs—I haven't played or used them in a long time. I think they have gotten better uh, since I started. You know, saw some you know, year and a half ago, but they're just made internally. I—I I can't speak on that at all because maybe the you know PCB boards are actually for all I know, made in China anyway, so they're, they could be essentially the same. But the plastics, the OEM plastic on a Microsoft controller is just different. You know, the, the Chinese knockoffs type things are usually they don't fit well and they're just the plastic is not essentially the same plastic as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, paintable and there's no problem in it. It just doesn't fit well isn't made with with very much quality
1: yeah and i think it just the whole feel is a lot different too when you hold a fake one versus a real one like is some weird yeah placebo thing or i, I don't know how no, to it definitely
0: it. is it's um kind of the overall feel like it's weird there's been a couple other retailers such as mad cats that that made some xbox controllers and just the feel i mean this is kind of different than an actual knockoff controller but just the feel was just different like it was hard for me to set my finger on it i just Didn't
1: like it. All right, so let's go back to the product a little bit. So a customer comes to you and say, hey, I want this. Custom Xbox controller, uh, you know, what do we do next?
0: Yeah, so I've kind of split it up into three different processes now, or three different main products. There's one product, which is the No Slows, which is modified controllers that that aren't painted at all. Um, but usually we'll offer some kind of color customization. But anyway, those are easy to pop out. Then there's custom controllers, which are, we've got a series of
1: templated
0: designs and we're pumping out a whole lot of new ones to where a customer can just go to our, our website and just type in a couple information, choose a couple options, and then order it. Without any type of conversation between us, and that that allow that's easy for us because we don't actually have to interact with the customer and get you know all these specific details uh, moving forward on on the controller. And then there's the completely custom service, which is as of right now we allow customers to buy a, a design. Then the design gets gets uh, actual worked on through our designers in house. And then the customer approves the design, and then they buy the full controller. And with the new website, we actually are simplifying that process a little bit, to where they don't have to. It's not as long as a long of a process. I mean, I don't know any numbers on it, but I think we lose quite a few customers in the because of having to actually purchase two products.
1: And So out of all these three options, uh, which one is the best seller? A while back, it was just the no slows, because that's just it's just a
0: microsoft controller that has some color changes that just make it stand out a little bit and it's just an awesome controller you know we spend even on those we spend about um, 30 minutes to an hour working on the no slow on those just to make sure they're just an all-around perfect controller you know it's just a quality controller you can use but as of lately it's been about 50 percent between those and just the the templated painted controllers usually it's it's been half and half to where
1: people are still
0: wanting those painted bad boys. I
1: see, so even for like a pretty, you know, minor customization that takes like an hour, you know, how have you been able to scale the operations as, you know, like say like 400 orders come in and month?
0: Yeah, it's, it's been interesting. And that was kind of one of the problems about six months ago that I didn't recognize how quick it was growing. And that was kind of a downfall, but I've just basically brought people on board, building out a team as, of, especially as of late, to deal with
1: some incoming demand, because for the most part, just need manpower for what for what we're doing. Yeah, and so when you hire people, are you doing them like on a contract basis, or kind of like a full-time employee, or? Because I know there's a lot of overhead when you hire someone as like a full-time
0: Yeah, and te- employee, technically right? right now, we don't actually have any full-time employees. Um, I have a couple roommates, I'm still in college, that help out a lot on the side. And then I've just recently got involved with two different guys that are pretty experienced with painting, and they're getting brought on board. That's still kind of new, so I'm not sure exactly how we're going to finish it out. Probably on a contract basis for a little while. Um, when the new website launches, we have a whole bunch of new plans and hopefully we're going to see like 200% growth in the next month with a whole bunch of new stuff we're rolling out. So moving forward with the new studio, I hope to have full-time employees here in a couple months. So wh- why are you still in school again? <laughs> I No, I, I was at a... Um, an event a couple of days ago and I got asked that quite a few times up until now up until about 2 or 3 months ago I was just kind of doing it for fun for the most part I just put my website out there wasn't doing much marketing wasn't doing anything like that you know just I was kind of just making a little cash on the side and it was fun making controllers and being involved in the community but recently you know I got pushed really to like this is this is something really cool and I you should really pursue it I'm getting more serious about it and we're really going to push out some awesome stuff soon my parents are really want me to finish that last Year. But honestly, I, I don't know if it'll happen. It depends. I mean, of course, it just all depends. If everything comes crashing and crashing down, then I'll finish my last year. And if I'm in the thick of it with Six full-time employees here in six months, then block
1: school have to wait. Yeah, exactly. Because because the thing is, school after because the thing is, once most people graduate, they get a job, right? But you don't really you, you don't really need to do that since you have your own business. So yeah, exactly.
0: And I'm who knows how it'll actually end up, but I see myself as kind of a serial entrepreneur in the in the future, to where I I just love building things, and there's just absolutely no way I'm working a nine to five for someone. So uh, the chances of me actually ever using my degree are hopefully low. Hopefully, I never will. But, you know, there's always that security. But my whole rationale is that I can always go back and get my, my degree that last year if I need to.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're still a junior and college, senior. I mean, you're going to hire six people. I mean, I mean, the degree is kind of pointless now. I mean, because there's people that have college degrees that can't even manage, you know, three or four people. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's go into a little bit about sales and marketing here so you said you didn't do much sales and marketing so like, you just put your website up and kind of just grew through word of mouth or how did uh, people find you the community
0: i'm in is really interesting and this is something i've been talking about especially lately and it's something we plan on leveraging is that this online gaming community is super viral you know these kids these guys and girls live uh, live on the internet that's just where everything they have is everything they communicate and so on I think that that's just kind of how I, you know, initially I made my website and I got kind of involved in Major League Gaming, which is uh, a gaming league, pretty much the biggest in in North America right now, and kind of got in contact and made some friends in the scene um, and kind of kept throwing my product out there a little bit, but with no plan at all. I mean, I literally, you know, I was 19. So I I didn't know what I was doing, just kind of went to a couple events. And for the most part, I have no idea how people even found us because my SEO from Volusion was terrible. Basically word of mouth and some social media. Uh, up until this point,
1: there's, there's been very little dollars put into marketing. Cause like I said, I wasn't
0: very serious about it up until now.
1: Yeah, so what was the initial feedback you got when you just put yourself out there with these products? You're just like, Hey, you know, if it, if it hits, it hits, if it doesn't, you know, whatever, right? Or Yeah. And that's, that's
0: what was kind of cool is that two-sided because I, I put it out there because, and everything was super organic, you know, everything was paid for. If, I, if at any point, any, if I failed at any point, um, it was no big deal because, because it was just all paid for, uh, you know, super org- organic, which was slow, obviously, but um, I didn't have to worry about any type of risk. So if people just didn't like controllers, if people just stopped buying controllers, then that was that.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting because, you know, I don't know if you noticed, but you'll notice that, uh, you know, when you're in school, kind of there's people that want good grades. They seek approval from, say, a professor, and it carries on with you in life. When you graduate, you get a nine to five. Uh, you seek approval from your coworkers and from your boss, and so whereas, kind of, when you do an entrepreneurial leap, then I think the mentality is a lot different than when you're in school. Because at school, you know, if it doesn't work, you go back to school, right? But when you're out there, you know, you have like rent to pay, stuff like this, stuff. And, or maybe you're in debt, like some people are. It's a big different. It's a big mindset thing that I've noticed that's different from you than a lot of people I talk to. So,
0: yeah, no, that's interesting, and I've been listening to a whole bunch of you know kind of similar podcasts and stuff. And it's a huge question right now whether entrepreneurs, you know, really need that degree or if they need to, you know, really just push out. And, you know, it's all personal based. Some people can deal with risk and they need that push to, you know, quit that nine to five. And then some, you know, can't deal with that at all. They, they have to have that security and that's completely fine. As an entrepreneur, you, I mean, you have to have that hustle. So keeping a job is, as long as you have it and you can deal with it is, completely fine but it's kind of an interesting um, equilibrium there figure out where you need to stand
1: yeah i mean there's no it's not like everyone needs to be an entrepreneur but i mean you know for the people that think they might are i mean it's definitely worth taking the chance yeah, yeah. all right so uh so you're saying you know back to sales and marketing a little bit you kind of just you were in these little online communities so they're basically like guilds online or what are these communities like well
0: as as a community i mean just roughly speaking is is it's like, for instance, Major League Gaming. So they're they're a league that hold, or they used to hold six tournaments um, across the U.S. They were they would focus on two or three games usually. Um, back whenever I was in the thick of it, it was Halo and Call of Duty, and you know now they they, they do more PC focused. Um, but back back then it was huge console. It was it was all about the Xbox for the most part. So getting into to that community of just people, you know, they, they train for months and months on, on the yeah. internet just for these tournaments and there's forums and so on. But for the most part, word of mouth worked really well because at these tournaments, there's 1200 kids in this room playing Halo. So if they have this you know, gnarly custom controller,
1: people would just often just, you know, ask where they got it and so on. So, so it's like the ego thing. Where, you know, everyone's playing a game, you have the biggest gun, and you can kill everyone, but you take it real life where you have your own controller and you're cooler than everyone else, right? Yeah,
0: that's kind of like the whole branding of, of Envy is, is that we want we want these controllers to be insane um, enough to where people will be envious.
1: And so, what are the age range of the people that buy your controllers? Because I mean, they they don't come at their regular retailers. I'm sure you're charging a lot more than. I kind of fall into just the competitive gaming uh, market
0: share of of demographics, which which they say is about 18 to 35, and honestly, is a lot more of the upper end than you would think. And obviously, because moving forward with our our new website and a bunch of new prices and new products, we will be kind of focusing on that upper end because they are, you know, more expensive, boutique type, high quality. Products. So a kid making, um, you know, on his newspaper route might be able to save up, but we're really focused on those gamers that
1: have the disposable income. Yeah. You're not going to have some high school, college kid spending like, what, a hundred bucks on a controller when, you know, he's making like whatever, right?
0: <laughs> Nothing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, ex- exactly. Exactly. So, as far as like people are finding you organically, you know, do you mainly use Facebook? Do you use Twitter? Or kind of what's your process there? Up until this
0: point, Basically, just social media, you know, Facebook and Twitter. Our Twitter's got, I think, like 2,500 people on it now, which is okay. But we, I've never ran any real com- campaigns. I've done a couple of giveaways and stuff, but for the most part, I've just put the website out there and then allowed those those outlets for people to contact us through. Um, there's never been any real campaigns. And really, once a new website launches, like I said, we're getting serious. I'm at least I'm getting serious about it, starting with the the website, which is. Incredible, in my opinion. Uh, but we're moving forward with a whole bunch of new, a whole bunch of new action, uh, action items to really market out player sponsorship. We'll have social media, but we're actually you know, pushing forward with an actual strategy and so on. A lot of these popular e-commerce marketing tools, newsletter, and so on, that will hopefully really push push it forward. Because I mean, I've never done really any intentional marketing in that sphere, so I'm pretty excited about it.
1: Uh, so so it's safe to say you've pretty much been profitable from day one, right? Just because your cost of acquiring a customer has pretty much been zero, right? Yeah, no, it's been absolutely zero. I, I went to a couple of events maybe you could
0: consider that, but that was just me going in and having fun and then showing off a bunch of controllers. Move forward, like we'll actually be attending some some hopefully large events here soon with booths and expos type stuff.
1: Nice. And so as you're growing bigger, are you focusing more on like marketing strategy and kind of stepping away from the operations yet? Or are you still kind of involved in the day-to-day stuff?
0: I'm still in the thick of both of them. Initially planning all this marketing is is really a new step for the, for the company. So, but I'm still heavily involved. I'm still the main painter of all our products to, to ensure quality. I oversee pretty much everything. Um, at least on the painting side, I still need to see every single controller that comes out and, and so on because that's just 100%. The ultimate focus is that whenever a controller leaves in a box that it's
1: it's perfect, as perfect as we can get it. I guess you're still at a point where you know, you're know you still scaling it up, but you can't scale up too fast because, you know, say if you got on to like, I don't know, like the, what's that? What's that TV show, G4 TV? And then suddenly you have like 10,000 orders Like you would probably like break you, right? Yeah, it would be interesting. And that's kind of something I'm dealing with
0: right now here in Kansas City. Kansas City, just a side note, is an incredible city right now. It's entrepreneur community is really awesome right now. I've been getting a whole bunch of awesome feedback and help from from these, from everyone here. I actually do have quite a few connections to hopefully deal with scale. I don't know if that would happen, but, but I'm working on, an action plan for if that does happen, including, you know, a giant studio and and a team of people.
1: Yeah. But I guess the the time to do is that whenever you got the process down on a piece of paper that you can say, hey, this is how you do it exactly and just follow this. And that's when you can just hand it off to someone and, you know, scale it there. Because at some point you do, I think you need to step back from the operations just so it can grow, but... Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know yeah. when that point is will be for you. Yeah, It well, definitely sounds like it's coming soon.
0: The products are really, you know, painting an Xbox controller isn't an easy thing. I, I've i been um, training to, uh, see, two, two people right now. They're starting to get it, but I still have to look over their shoulders to make sure everything um, goes according to plan. Um, it, it'll probably be, I would love to step back, but for now, I'm
1: definitely... Still wanting to make sure everything gets painted perfectly. Yeah, so so who are the people you hire? Because you're probably in your, like, what, very early 20s. Like, you know, are you hiring people older than you? Or how does that dynamic work out?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. So I'm 21. The two people I've kind of got involved with, oh, a couple people that, you know, my roommates are also in college. So that's, but for the most part, I'm also just trying to keep that same dy- dynamic of, of, if I can find college students that are also, you know passionate about gaming and and have a solid head and then, then that's kind of what I'm shooting for just because we have to spend a lot of time together you know it's a really you know tight knit situation of in our studio i try to find people that are similar to me and and the people that i have hired are uh, i think the oldest one's 25 and he just graduated and worked for some really cool companies. So
1: do you see the age dynamic being a problem sometimes when you're hiring someone older? I could. I mean, like I said, like I think 26
0: is the oldest, which is still, that's not old. You know, it's three or four years older, almost five years older than me. But it seems to be if I came to a point to where like, like we just hired, like I just outsourced a lot of our financing and uh, accounting information or systems to, to a a firm here in Kansas City and so that was kind of interesting because they're just super old so it was it it could definitely like I, I don't see myself being able to hire you know like a 45 year old you know man to hop in the studio and paint controllers with us just because of the whole branding it's everything that we push out is really exciting and I don't know that that sounds terrible but it just doesn't sound like a good fit basically. Yeah, well keeping that dynamic for the most part I would love to just have keep growing as a team of every of gamers for the most part. Having passion for what we do is really big for me. So if they don't have that initially then there's a break in that that dynamic of the team.
1: Yeah. So so what's been kind of a challenge as you've been scaling up because obviously you're still very young and kind of new to this whole business thing. Like what's kind of like a big mistake you made that you've learned from? Yeah. So I was thinking about this earlier and, and it's really, it's,
0: it's super clear is that transparency is the best trait that you can have right now. A while back and I've gotten a whole bunch of flack you know, because of back orders and stuff and there was a lack in quality six months to a year ago in our, in our products and it was just kind of an evolution. When a customer comes to you and, and is upset over something, especially in social media, the absolute worst thing you could do is, is turn away. And when I was a couple of years ago, you know, I was 19 and all these people were getting mad over these products not being pumped out because, you know, I was in my freshman year and sophomore year of college. I've just, I was so self-conscious about it, you know, curl up in a ball. And it was just like, I don't want to deal with that. But, in the past six months, I've been really forward with it. You just have to be completely transparent, complete open book about all everything you do, all your operations, because you can't afford to not in this social media age of everything being online and everything being out there. If you have a group of customers that are expressing that there's something wrong with your product or your customer service, it can really be detrimental to what
1: you do. Yeah, so can you go into a little bit deeper? is like they buy a controller and kind of you're like, you're behind in the shipping or what's the deal
0: yeah so i i've been doing this completely alone um, and that was probably a mistake on my end was that i kind of put forth that it looked like we were you know a full company you know maybe someone that ships a bunch of controllers when in actuality it was just me and that was a huge problem at some point because i couldn't deal with the demand and instead of like immediately, you know, hiring new people or expanding operations, you know, I didn't know how to move forward with that because I, I hadn't had the education. I, had, I didn't have mentors and, and stuff like that like I do now. So it was a big problem falling behind. Not only that, but not attacking it head on, not dealing with it directly with all our customers. And that's why there for a while we had a pretty bad reputation for not being able to ship quick enough and that's why my focus is 100% on that and our operations and making sure everything moves really s- smoothly. And moving forward, I'm super excited because I think we're ready, we're definitely ready for the demand and focusing on that customer service.
1: Yeah, so what was the kind of turning point when you realized that you, know, you should actually be transparent on social media and just be very forward instead of hiding uh, behind like, a business and like, a website?
0: That's a good question, because I'm not really sure. I think it was just organically, like over the past two years, I've started to get really more involved in business, you know, reading, watching podcasts, of course, being in business school. And I just started watching, like taking social media seriously, watching. There's a, an entrepreneur here in the States, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, at, um, that I would watch a bunch of his. And, and he really, over time, kind of put it in my head that social, the ROI of social media is there and, and you've got to focus
1: on it so customer service in general is is our focus for moving forward and one thing i've realized is that you know when someone complains or you know s- talks smack about this it's actually an opportunity because it tells you where there's a hole in your system, basically, right? And if there's a repeat, you know, two or three times, basically, you know, this is something you need to address to turn it around, so that the next ten people that come, once you fix it, you you have a stronger base.
0: Yeah, exactly. That was just it was just a slow evolutionary process for for me, which is something I also regret because you can grow organically, and that's great,
1: but uh, just make sure you can deal with it once it really starts to blow up with whatever you're doing. Yeah, and I think a lot of it comes down to just thinking like you know don't take this personally you know take responsibility but then how can I fix this uh, so it doesn't happen again, right? And that's how you kind of improve uh, as you go along, which is clearly what you've done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all right, very cool, very cool. All right, so let's move on to platform a little bit. So I understand you guys are on Volusion now, so you're switching to Shopify also. So kind of why are you switching and what did you not like about Volusion? So
0: initially with, um, I talked about starting the website with a friend. Um, he had been on Volusion, so when we created our new website, I didn't know anything about e-commerce, and so he kind of kind of pushed me into it. And at first it was cool because it's, pretty easy to use you know all the UI is very simple but beyond that once I actually started pumping out a bunch of orders and especially creating our website was a catastrophe if you want to use Volusion for a custom store template it's extremely difficult at least from my experience the way the systems made up is extremely hard to customize and it breaks a bunch of your search engine optimization and for the most part it was just lacking a bunch of features. I reached out, I tried to do a bunch of research on with our new website what platform we wanted to land on and eventually landed with Shopify. It's still a beautiful platform on the back end, super easy to use, but also a pretty open source front end to where developers can you know just go crazy on the design you know with the new website that was the focus was was being able to completely
1: customize exactly how we wanted to and i think gamers like to customize everything or at least they want to have the control of everything yeah exactly the, the new i'm super excited
0: about the new about the new website it's
1: yeah and so um you know shopify i think they also have nice templates so you're going with uh Template and you tweaking it with Shopify Ninjas, or how are you doing the design? Are you just doing building one from scratch?
0: Yeah, so I don't know exactly how easy it is to build one from scratch, but um, I'm getting, I'm using an Australian developer, developing team called called Shopify Ninjas, and they basically bought a template or used a template initially and then customized from there, um, which is something I would recommend anyone that wants, wants an actual custom store to do but they like you said they also actually do have some really some really beautiful templates that you can just start from if you're wanting to just pop up in a store in in a one night which
1: is completely plausible yeah and i think there's a challenge is that if you want to build a store completely from scratch like how you where do you want to put your you know sidebars where do you want to put your category bars product bars? like where do you want to put your logo it's like
0: ours is completely from scratch from from that perspective we you know i have a little bit of design background, and over a couple of months, I, I slowly developed to create the website that's being built. So I actually created all the front end, you know, the actual graphics and, and mocks for the website, and then I just handed it over for, to Tristan at Shopify Ninjas, and he just, I think they're they're about to finish up on it, which I'm pretty excited about. But yeah, it was an interesting, not being a, an actual web designer, um, coming up with those all those mocks was an
1: interesting process. And so are there any uh, kind of like um, analytics apps or any tools that you'd recommend for e-commerce store owners? Of course, you, you've got to be you know, using a lot of Google's
0: suite of you know, their analytics and stuff. It's free and really easy. That's kind of what we use for actual web, web analytics. But for the most part, Google has been perfectly um, set up for us. And then also, if you're using Shopify, which I recommend everyone to at least look into it, um, They have a really cool set of apps. So it's set up different than most platforms in that, you know, Volusion is what it is. But uh, Shopify has a pretty low base price that you can start from. Then they have these these apps that you can add to your store. So shipping solutions uh, or product customizers. or I mean, there's just tons of stuff, you know, newsletter apps to where it makes it really easy. And then you can add those on for... You know, sometimes free, and then, or sometimes a small monthly fee. So you can start at a base price, and then choose what you actually want in your store from there, which is was really cool. And did you consider BigCommerce too, or I sort of did. I didn't know exactly how easy it was to customize. I kind of just did a bunch of research, and a bunch of people were recommending Shopify. Uh, found Shopify Ninjas, their team, and just moved forward with that, just because I got convinced that it was. I mean. It's a great platform. I mean, I, I say, I tell people there's no one right platform for you. I mean, it's... it's- yeah, definitely search out and figure out the, the cons. And the the main focus for ours was being able to customize it exactly how we wanted. And I was told with Shopify Ninjas, that was kind of the
1: way to go. So that's where we pushed. All right. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So let's just wrap up a little bit here. So uh, what's one thing you wish you knew uh, when you were starting out? Everything.
0: <laughs> I, I made um, yeah. <laughs> when I before my education really set in I, I didn't know anything about business and, and was doing everything very topical and I wish I would have delved into that but also that you just you can't do everything you make sure you gauge your business correctly and if you need a team of people recognize that immediately because that was a big problem for me was that I was I didn't get enough people involved early on to expand correctly.
1: And so, uh, you, know, you know, you're know, you still kind of pretty young, you know, 21, you know, is this your first entrepreneurial event or? Uh, for the most part, yeah. Like real. Right. So what do you got to plan for the future uh, after this business, you know, once it's up and running on its own and kind of do you have any other projects in mind?
0: I do. There's been, so I'm here in Kansas City and there's, um, they have Google Fiber here, which is a really big thing for the States. It's, I think it's the fastest um, residential network here in the states. So a lot of people are moving here tech-wise to start for these startups. And I've been I've I've had a couple tech tech ideas and but for the most part I think I'm going to try to stay in gaming as long as I possibly can. I love video games, I love the community. There's been some some talks of some uh, maybe some online gaming leagues or something along those lines of still being involved with gamers. And I also, I love product design. I love making stuff. So I imagine I'll be in that sphere for a while too. Very cool. Very cool. All right. And so where can we find you online? So our business Twitter is at MV Controllers and then um, www.nvcontrollers.com. And then the Facebook, I think, is just slash
1: controllers. All right. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thanks so much, Alec. And uh, I guess we'll keep in touch. Yeah, you too. Take it easy. To get more information about running an online store, visit our website at buildmyonlinestore.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Build My Online Store podcast.